Well, welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program known to uh, the many and the few as Smoking and Toasting. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and, of course, by their sister establishment, B&B Lemon, which is now across the street from uh, B&B on uh, Washington Ave in Houston. We need to go hang out there and find yes, out if Lemon yes, has we, the same bacon appetizer. I don't know that B&B they do. Has. I think have they may have. this bacon appetizer? At B&B. Oh, my trained. God. It's so good. It'll make oh you take God. back stuff you didn't even steal. It's yeah, it's really unbelievable. <laughs> Welcome to show number 118. And this is... Is this our last show before Christmas? It is. It is. So this is going to be a very festive type of occasion uh, because, and we're really excited about this. We've been wanting to have these guys on for uh, quite some time now. Uh, we have guests from Whitmire's on the show today, and it's uh, Stuart and Travis uh, from Whitmire's Distillery uh, in Houston, Texas. And guys, correct me if I'm wrong, first whiskey distillery in Houston. Is, is that correct? The first in Harris County. First in Harris County. We are okay. technically, oh, so there's a thing, huh? There's a thing. We're, okay. we're, we're technically just outside of the city limits. Oh, well, so you get to 1960, uh, which is about 100 yards. Yeah. You're, so that's you're a in te- the city. So we're that's a technicality. Outside. That's a tech. Unless you're talking about... Well, we pan- are the oldest in the county. Yeah, unless you're talking about paying taxes, that's a technicality. You're, you're the oldest <laughs> right. in Houston. So. Yeah, that was the best piece of advice I got when, when opening the distillery was stay out stay of Stay out of the city yeah. from a tax standpoint, yeah, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that, There's enough regulation. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Well, welcome to the show. We'll be tasting some Whitmire's, and, and they brought in, like, white-label stuff. So I'll just show this uh, to the camera. They brought in two with them. They're already sitting here on the on the countertop, and both of them are, uh, you know, the kind where they write stuff in. And I always love that, you know. I always think <laughs> It just looks is, a little more handcrafted. This is going to be good. So we'll let them tell us about that as the program uh, goes on. Update for you on the uh, FDA and cigar uh, regulations, which is seems like an ongoing thing uh every week we seem to have some new information on that so we'll be sharing that with you uh plus um we're you know i just gotta say this man i'm really excited about next week's show it's ian's crazy beer show Uh, we're gonna have some fun i've got some beers selected for that ian ian was basically uh banned from being able to bring beers to the show for a while (laughs) and so he's had all these beers collecting in his refrigerator so we just decided let's do with let's do that you know that you really wanted to bring stems from an episode where he goes just bring the beers for the show and uh and i won't worry about it i said okay so i brought what i thought was a nice selection of beers we generally taste three beers. they all started about eight percent no, went up from, right. no, they didn't all start at 8%. One of them one started of, yeah, at okay, 8%. So. And then one was what? Like 18, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. There so you go. You br- you I like br- big beers. He brought a beer that actually was chewy. And I don't mean that as a description of how thick it was. I mean it had chunks in it. Actual, <laughs> chewable chunks. So Harvestdale was quite so, good. Yes. Uh, so, so I'm expecting more of the same next week for Ian's Crazy Beer Show. And then uh, the week after that, which will be the first show of the brand new year, uh, we're going to be talking about the best of 2018. All the best of cigar lists are starting to hit. You know what Alan Denny just posted on Facebook, right? What's that? That their uh, E.P. Carrillo uh, uh, hit cigar of the year from cigar aficionados yeah the num- number one on the list yeah, yeah. it was the encore and, encore. and I, it's it's just well we'll talk about it uh and and we'll it will obviously congratulations to those yeah guys. yeah and alan of course was our guest last week along with jose blanco from uh, ep carrillo uh, we were live out at maduro's in uh league city and just just had a that wonderful show time. was a blast that show was uh was wonderful yeah, and you know i accidentally left the beers that i brought for that show 
you know, just to have in between. Did you? Yes. yes. Did you well, leave? You them know at, this because you drank the rest of them. Did you leave them at Maduro's? <laughs> you know, somehow those all wound up in my refrigerator. As long as you use them for good and not for evil, yes, I think I'm okay I, with I, it. I, I was, uh, I was good with it. Yeah, <laughs> I was good with it. So uh, a lot going on. We are going to be tasting in addition to uh, some things by Whitmire's, which I don't even know. Um, I don't even know exactly what they've brought, so we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But we're also going to be tasting some beers. We're very Texas-oriented today, uh, beer-wise, because our first the first beer we'll be tasting uh, is from Community Beer Company, which is out of Dallas. Uh, it's their Snickerdoodle Ale. Not a Christmas ale specifically, but I thought it was the perfect vibe. Maybe it's because my wife the always snickerdoodles makes snickerdoodles are good. for Christmas. Yeah, uh, they're good year-round. However, yeah. I, they generally make me think of Christmas. Yeah, okay. So perfect. I, I, I'm not Plus, well off base that's there. a fun word to say. Snickerdoodle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I haven't tasted this. I don't know how it works, but uh, but we'll get to that. We'll try it. Uh, and then from uh, also from Dallas, uh, the Texas Ale Project, 100 Million Angels Singing Double IPA, which I thought was a perfect, again, Christmas reference, you know? That's got a lot to to stand up to though, like, yeah. If you're oh, I know that. That yeah. should be good. <laughs> it better be right? right with a name like that. And finally, uh, one that we brought last week, but we didn't uh, make it to because Alan Denny had brought all those <laughs> crazy ass beers from uh, uh, from Southern yeah, Star, from Southern which, Star were, right. which were just fantastic. And by the way, I still have one of them in my refrigerator that he gave me, which I'm saving. That we didn't until, try on the show. I'm saving until you come over. So awesome. Uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, Prairie Artisan Ales Paradise. Imperial Stout brewed with coconut and vanilla will be our final uh, our final beer. So, so that's what you'll Prairie be. Makes great beer. That's what you'll be having to top next week in with the, with the crazy. I, I, one of the show. beers I'm planning on doing is a prairie beer. Oh, see, that's uh, that's going to be good. So uh, it's it's a crazy week. We have got all kinds of things going on. Um, uh, we talked about the top cigars uh, of the year. That show is a couple of weeks away, but all the lists are starting to come out. So what we're doing is we're compiling them for you. And not only will we have them on the show, but we'll have easy links in the notes to all the lists so that you can uh, find out what the big ones were. And uh, I. I was thinking of Alan Denny, uh, our buddy from E.P. Carrillo, uh, because their lives are about to change. When you get that number one listing, uh, like everything shifts for you. You start getting requests from you know, shops Big that aren't time. carrying your product. You start getting more requests for the product because it's selling out, well, selling off the shelves. Well, that Aficionado is such a well-respected publication. Yes, it is. Well, yes, and, it and is. deservedly so that, you know, and congratulations to them. That's just amazing. Yeah, it is It is a And really, an amazing really cigar deal. as well. Really, really big deal. Also, we'll try to get to this today. Uh, 20 great gifts for craft beer lovers in case you're doing some last-minute Christmas shopping and the, you know, Ian or Cruz name on your list has not been, you know, filled yet, so... So yes, and you can find our address pretty easily. Yes, it's not it's not that difficult to do. So, <laughs> uh, so like I said, it's been a crazy week, uh, Ian. I love to ask you this, and we have it for the last couple of weeks because we've been smoking uh, at the locales on the show, but, which has uh, been a blast. Yeah, which has been awesome. But uh, did you smoke anything interesting this week? Um. Yes. Oh, I like this. What What'd you have? I just wanted to do the NPR lean there for a moment. <laughs> I do that again. I was at a friend of mine's house last <laughs> night, uh, hanging out, and they had like the. Uh, the uh, the the top Christmas uh, Saturday Night Live skits and one of them was the oh, two one of them was the, the two girls yeah. was, is, show that's is hilarious. that the sweaty balls yes, episode yes yeah. oh that's the best absolutely that's the best one ever Alec Baldwin awesome anyway um uh, <laughs> on from sweaty balls um so I you know last night uh, and hanging out with my same friends I smoked a, a classic my father. Oh. I don't know if I've ever we've talked about my father but I don't know if I've ever reviewed just a straight up 
my father. Well, you know, we were supposed to have um, Tom Poehler's brother, yes, Jason, yes. from my father on uh, several weeks ago. And uh, he wound up getting sick at the last minute, asked Tom to, to pinch it for yeah, him. Yeah, we're going to have to get him back on. Great. Tom was so fun, too. We will reschedule Jason. So yes. I went I went and just uh, just had this. It was, it was one of those where I looked in my in my humidor and I thought, you know what? I hadn't had one of those in mm-hmm. so long, and they're so good. Because, like, I tend to run over stuff that's too familiar a lot of times. I don't, I don't try something different, try something different. Right, something. right, right. You know what? Sometimes an old standby is a good one to go to, but I don't know that I've ever actually reviewed one on here. Um, this cigar, if I remember correctly, and I didn't look this up, so please don't hold me to it. I'm pretty sure it's about an eight dollar cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to put that out there uh, right off the top. Uh, the one that I had was the Torpedo. Um, Take to ten, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's right in that range, and um, so it's a premium cigar. It's not a super premium, uh, and it's been out for a long time. Mm-hmm. This uh, is like the so earlier. The pre light sniff on this thing is smells so sweet and um, and nutty kind of flavors with earthy kind of uh flavors to it um the prelate draw on this i snipped the end the prelate draw on this thing was absolutely like flawless just enough resistance to make you feel like you you know you're you have something substantial and it's not going to smoke too fast mm-hmm. the uh the burn on this thing i'm going to go ahead and jump straight to the end of this cigar the burn on this thing was perfect down to where like i didn't want to let this cigar go even though it was burning my fingers um the uh the cigar itself, the first third, the uh, the initial light on this was absolutely fantastic. Nice, a little bit spicy, uh, a little bit big at first. Settles into a chocolatey, toasty kind of thing going on. This is a Rosado uh, wrapper, the Habano uh, Rosado wrapper, and um, Nicaraguan filler, Nicaraguan binder. And it just, like the whole first third of the cigar is just this toasty, chocolatey sweetness. Mm-hmm. The second third of this cigar is more of the same with more of the chocolate notes. Um... We had, uh, I was drinking 1836 with it, which was a great pairing. Nice. Like, what a great uh, beer. That's a, that's, a local, um, that's a local Buffalo Bayou, mm-hmm. what they call their copper ale. That's their copper ale. Yeah, right? it's just outstanding. And, uh, I always, so, always go to the bar and I go, can you give me that copper ale that's from that year that I don't remember? <laughs> <laughs> and they go, right. oh, 1836? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. You're not from Texas, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um uh, so yeah, and that between that and shots of Jameson and playing um, and playing uh, uh, cards against humanity, we had just a great time with the cigar. That's a fun game. Um, by the last third of the cigar, just I, I forgot how much of a chocolate bomb it turns into. Mm-hmm. It was just this great chocolatey with a little bit of spice. Just a fantastic cigar from end to end. My father's cigars. I've never been disappointed by anything with their name on it. No. This cigar gets a six, easy on the price to quality index. Uh, and and for those of you who don't know the price to quality index we we have a one to ten scale and if you're at five you get exactly what you're paying for on it this goes so five is a great yeah five is five is a great rating anything below means hmm, i might have paid a little much for this anything above means it's it's punching above its weight class so to speak and that you would have been okay had you paid right a bit more yeah right? and if i paid twelve dollars for that cigar i'd have walked out of there going it was just fine yeah i mean that uh, was a great so cigar that's that a price. perfect rating then. how about you sir i had uh something that i had not had before which is the crowned heads uh, jd howard reserve now i'd had I some of their i had some of their other uh some crowned heads uh, other cigars found them quite uh, tasty quite delicious <clears throat> this one was a brazilian wrapper ecuadorian sumatra binder and uh, the fillers were all uh, nicaraguan to start out it was a really nice looking cigar i i have a tendency 
you know, I guess I'm kind of a cigar beauty snob because when I'm when I'm round heads, when makes I'm beautiful, right? When I'm looking for cigars yeah. that I haven't tried before and I'm in the humidor, I have a tendency to only pick the really pretty ones. <laughs> I don't know what they, that says about me. It's some sort of vanity thing. Well, crown sure. heads, their whole line, yeah. they have the just yeah. gorgeous wrapping. And everything. Uh, but it was it was really pretty. The pre light on it was woodsy, some tobacco notes, not anything like really unusual. Uh, I used a V cutter; it lit right up. Uh, loved that it had nice flavor even in the first uh, half inch. We talked about this, I think, last week. That some cigars take that first mm-hmm. half inch, almost you know, an inch even at times, to sort of warm up and blossom and give you the flavor. Right. Uh, this one hit it right, right from the very beginning. Uh, was creamy. There were some cocoa notes, a bit of spice and pepper. None of this is like earth-shattering or new. Uh, you know, you've come to expect a little bit of pepperiness from Nicaraguan tobacco, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but it was really, really nice. Uh, it, there was a good amount of complexity. It wasn't a pepper bomb. You know, it was there. It was on the tongue, but it wasn't a pepper bomb. Um, as far as power, I'd say it was a solid medium. I'd read that this was a full-bodied cigar. I went on looking to see what people were saying about it, and uh, I'd read that it was full-bodied, but it didn't really strike me that way. It was just a very nice medium. Uh, I liked it about a $10 cigar, I, I'm going to give it a solid five. I mean, uh, maybe almost even a five and a half. Like, I wouldn't have minded paying just a little more. But I wouldn't, if it were 15, I'd have been a little disappointed. So, uh, you know, again, comparing to what's out there that's in that price yeah. range. So, uh, so anyway, but I recommend it. Crowned Heads uh, uh, J.D. Howard Reserve, uh, when you're in that $10 price range, it's a, it, it's a good one. You, you, won't be, you won't be disappointed. So, uh, Alright, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm really excited about getting into the second segment. Uh, when we come back, we're going to try uh, uh, a little bit of Whitmire's as well as start tasting our beers. And guys, do you have a sense of where we're going first uh, from, from a tasting standpoint? So it... We'll we'll start with uh, with the lower proof offering. They're okay. both the same, essentially the same product. We can get into. Okay. So All right. Very good. We're looking forward. To, you did great in the first segment, by the way. Thank yeah, you yeah, so yeah, much. Just for keep it awesome. Awesome. Right. awesome. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back, uh, and we'll be talking Whitmire's and uh, what it's like to be the first uh, distillery in Harris County. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. It's smoking toasting. Awesome. <laughs> Show bear went quick. Yeah. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, and this is show number 118. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Whitmire's small batch whiskey in the studio today, and we're very excited to be doing some tasting there in just a few moments. My uh, friends, the show is brought to you by our good friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Uh, they are in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. They're also at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And we say it every week, bacon, bacon, bacon. You got to go. You got to try it. It's, it's, so li- it's life-changing. It's they have two variations of bacon, too. They have the, the regular bacon, which is the Chef Tommy's bacon. And then they've got this other kind that's, the, I don't remember the name of it, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Like a lamb bacon or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Wow. It's just it's mind blowing. Hey, the uh, the latest update on the um, the whole deal about uh, the cigar regulations. Um, the um, the people who are pushing for the exemption of uh, premium cigars from this uh, tobacco legislation that's already basically been passed. These are the these are the good guys. 
By uh, the people no who are pushing for this exemption, you mean Rocky be- Patel? Yeah, Rocky Patel. <laughs> like the, he's uh, always up in the middle uh, of our, all of our that. Our friends from Cigar Rights of America, these guys. The guys in the White Hats, uh, the good guys, yeah. right? Trey Boring, These Right. These are the guys. Um, so they're pushing for this. They have managed to get, with the cooperation of the um, senators and congressmen who are, who are uh, you know, sympathetic to this cause, because it's going to have some really bad bad implications for the cigar industry it's going to put people out of work there's a whole lot of different things that are that's bad about it uh but anyway they have got this amendment attached to the budget bill and so the budget bill remains this whole thing what's happening now is that uh congress is working to pass a uh, temporary budget bill which will give them more time to debate the big one but the government won't run out of money so likely this is not going to get decided officially until after the first of the year in the meantime uh the cigar rights people have been able to petition successfully petition the fda uh, which is now in control of regulating cigars and the fda has agreed to indefinitely delay the restrictions on warning labels. So what this means, the restrictions that a warning label had to cover one-third of the cigar or one-third of the cigar's packaging, if it's a box of cigars or like a you know, a bundle of cigars, uh, that was going to be the new regulation. Uh, the FDA has agreed to indefinitely delay that uh, the implementation of that. Now, have you heard about this at all? I have not. Can you I imagine heard. the FDA saying, okay, one-third of your packaging, no yeah, matter what you A third of do, your bottle has to be covered with a warning label that says, label. this stuff isn't good for you. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 have, we have our own challenges. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I believe you do. And we can talk right. about those, too. So, so that's the update. We'll keep you posted as things, uh, as things develop. I like to that's, at to, least, that's at least good news yeah, right now. Yeah, it's a yes. piece of good news, and we'll take, we'll take any, uh, any good news that we can get. So speaking of good news, we are very excited to have uh, Stuart and Travis from Whitmire's in the studio. Gentlemen, welcome, uh, officially. It's so nice to have you here. Thanks um, for having us. Uh, now. You. You were responsible for helping to establish the distillery in the first place. Is that right? That was my uh, my idea. It was sure. your thing. It yeah, was your yeah. thing. Yeah. Kind of a, well. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but that's that's ba- basically you started this bad boy. I did. Yeah. I did. And how many years ago? Uh, let's see. April twenty sixth, twenty twelve. So okay. coming up on seven years. So this is before. I mean, not that whiskey hasn't been a thing for a while, but this is before the little boomlet that's going on right now oh, wasn't it's, it it's just gone absolutely bananas yeah uh, did you did you see this coming was this part of your uh, I, I i had no idea yeah i had no idea yeah so so you just did this because this was something you were passionate about wanted to do it and absolutely and, and uh, absolutely, your timing yeah. was your timing was impeccable <laughs> sir <laughs> uh, was it was it a difficult thing to do i mean now you know you could at least maybe look at some others who have done it and and have a, a little bit of a roadmap maybe to follow but uh, sure and the numbers uh, i won't throw them out there because i don't know them exactly but i'll ballpark it for you if if all time distilleries in the united states we came in and ours was the in the in the area of 350th permit ever issued for, for, for distillers. Oh, wow, wow. Today yeah. we're, I believe, at 2,000. Yeah. Maybe well, so what, what year give or take you, a few, but mm-hmm. in, that's happened in that short amount of time. What year yeah. did you submit yours? Uh, it was uh, 20, 2012. Wow. 
So that's unbelievable. So based on what you've seen so far since opening in in 2012, is is the sort of craft whiskey and and uh, small distillery boom. Is it winding up being a good thing from a sales standpoint because of how much more interest it is, or does it make it harder because there's so much more competition? Uh, you know, we're we're selling more than everything we can make. Um, I don't. That's when, a good when, position when you, to be in. When, 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 when you when you pose those kinds of questions about uh, you know what everybody else is doing, I, we just kind of do our own thing. That's it's, cool. It's been interesting that. to watch, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, every time I turn around, there's a new one, and good for them. And well, when when I'm in a, a Specs or any other you know place where where you go in and buy these. There's just so much now. It's like you're looking around, going, "Wow, wow, oh that, oh that." It's you're, it's almost like buyer's paralysis, and that's one of the reasons that we like, you know, having guys like you come on the show. We can talk about these things. We can, you know, uh, talk about the flavors and talk about what the styles are, and maybe help people know. You know, if it's something that they might want to remember and look at when they're well, standing in those shelves. As a consumer, you know? it's a little difficult to to just go try stuff unless it could. Like a lot of these companies, you guys do. I'm sure, like up at the uh, up at the local stores, you hand out samples and things like that, um, which is very helpful if you're there at the right time, at the right, pl- right. right place. But you know, uh, something like what we do, where we can we can get a lot of these flavors in and talk about them. You can narrow it down a lot of times. Listen, I like stuff like well, this. I'll I've, go try that. You know? I've been in the stores when some of the sampling's done, and there have been times when I've gone, oh, that's going to help me. Yes, I'm going to buy yes. some of that. There's also been times when it's helped me decide what I was not going to buy. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, that happens too. So it really just depends on what you're looking for <laughs> and who's there uh, who's there at the time. Now, uh, now, Stuart, uh, your job at the distillery is? Pretty much day-to-day operations, yeah, running so, tastings, tours. Right. So you're responsible for uh, kind of you know getting the word out, uh, passing along what this is all about. You're on the, the operational side of things. Is that Correct. right? Now, what, what have you seen in terms of the way that that people have received you has that changed as uh, over the years or has it have people always been crazy about stuff or is it has it grown pretty much all the in-house 100 percent juice done in-house we just can't keep on the shelves can't produce it fast enough as soon as it opens it's gone so is that and i mean this is a very serious question is that a good thing in other words is that a place you want to be where everything you make you you sell out of or do would you really prefer to be able to meet more demand which is better well, i think they're i, I don't th- one being better than the other i mean who, I, of course i love it when people tell me that they love love my stuff um, yeah you know uh, and it's just you know you got to find that that balance um you know our biggest problem is is uh, production the production side of it earlier mm-hmm. this year we added two new stills which uh you know, about tripled our, our production capacity, so mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to solve some of that. And How long, though, will it be before any of that sees store shelves? Uh, we're still probably a year out. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I, and again, I don't know how much of it we can actually get to the store. I mean, a lot of it, we, we get crowds at the distillery, and Texas <laughs> is, uh, you know, back in 2013, we, we were able to get the, the legislation changed to mm-hmm. where we were able to uh, sell and serve limited quantities of bottles and mixed beverages on site. Right. Uh, prior to that, we could only offer you a little half ounce sample. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and until we have it sitting at the distillery so long that that it just needs to overflow into the stores, I just it doesn't make sense to. 
sell to a store but for half are, the price. But these are the kinds of problems to have, right? Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally get it. Totally get it. Uh, did you, when you started this, did you know anything about distilling already? Did you have any background in this, or is this something you learned as you went? For the most part, self-taught. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of got into it back in uh, 2002, 2003. Uh, my brother and I were in the Army and stationed in Germany. We joined up together, and we were stationed in Germany. I was dating a local girl over there, and her family lived on a, a little farm in, in Bavaria. The grandfather was retired, and, and he made uh, schnapps and brandies and beers and wines, and I just thought it was really cool. So you, a lot of time over there. You got interested in the, the process That's, of it, even if it wasn't whiskey, right? Oh, I was becoming a pretty good lush, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a long way from home. It's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so why was it whiskey for you when you decided what you were going to do? Oh, we don't do just whiskey we have a vodka we have we have a gin um we've done some kind of one-off things as well right now Mm -hmm. we've got some uh some pear brandy aging that we did with some local pears that a buddy brought um so it's really we just have the stills but for me it's it's more about age spirits you know i can get into you know all the different types of whiskeys or 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 fruit based mashes as well which i see kind of trending up so yeah, yeah that's, absolutely that's there's mm-hmm. there's so many interesting trends going on right yeah. now but it's kind of like everything is trending up uh, and some stuff you know you talk about how much hotter rums are than they were right. a couple sure. of years ago sure. you talk about you know the obviously people talk about the whiskey explosion but things like uh, cognacs and armagnacs like there's so many different uh, categories in in spirits that, especially the premium categories, are really really trendy. Why do you think that is? I mean, we've been reading that you know, although craft beer is still growing, the beer consumption in general is down, but spirit consumption over the past five years has really been uh, increasing. It. Do you have any any thoughts as to why that might be? It's 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 really difficult for me to pinpoint it. Um, why why it's gone so crazy like it has. Um, I know the international markets are, are getting into it. I know, you know, the Asian markets and, and yeah. those countries are getting our best stuff and stuff that we can't uh, get here in some cases. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that many more people trying to consume it versus how much is available to be consumed. I think there's also a lot more high-quality premium spirits available which has a lot to do with it well you you know know, the the consumer ultimately decides this if the consumer is going to drink more of this people are going to make it more available you know you start a distillery if people are coming and drinking your uh distillates then obviously um that's successful more people are going to start distilleries and things like that that's that's a public trend but i think part of it too is people just are like are, are more willing right now the newer generations are more willing to try different things you i know? think that's I think true. We're stepping yeah. out of mm-hmm. that over homogenized betty crocker era mm-hmm. where everything you know you like you can have the same thing whether you're here or in germany or in sweden you know like mcdonald's flavor profile is the same everywhere you go. Now there's a, a genius and a science to that, but I think people also want to but try that, local fare, so to speak. Well, nowadays. sure, that used yeah. to be what people were going for. Right, that was right. The, that was the thing people wanted to achieve. Is it was about consistency on that scale more than it was about you know uniqueness. Right, or, and then also there were there was there was a whole uh, there's there's a whole plague of 
restaurants that were out there for for making food that no one could complain about you right. know like 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 lubies for instance mm-hmm. you know no one can say man i hate lubies because you can always find something that's pretty good at lubies right but nothing's outstanding at right lubies. but you're not going to go Never. oh man i'm you know? craving that lubies but when you open yeah when you open something very specific with a lot of flavor like a cajun restaurant you immediately limit your your uh your ability to reach more people but i think more people nowadays are more willing to try different flavors well i think that's true and if you see um you know it's why i think put aside how offended i am by the whole dilly dilly campaign by budweiser because <laughs> so i bad. freaking hate that whole thing and and i just think they have such gall to try to insult craft beer drinkers while at the same time trying to buy companies that make craft beer and sell it to craft beer drinkers. It's like, pick one or the other. But I, but putting that aside for a minute and just talking about the marketing of it, Budweiser has made a decision to market Bud Light with a phrase now that is, for the many, not for the few. I think that's, that's the biggest unbelievable, marketing mistake in today's you know, um, world of, of... That very much lays bare exactly what their mentality well, is. Well, it's all very they've much. got. I get yeah. that. I mean, it's not like they're going to be able to somehow come up with a slogan that's going to make you think that tastes better, you know? Cause, <laughs> well, cause they don't even bother selling the beer anymore. They sell yeah. the ad campaign. They sell right. the packaging. Right, but it's for the many, it. not for the few. So if you are a mindless sheep and, and, and you want to just drink what everybody's drinking, this is the beer for you. But I'm telling you, that's not what consumers are are doing now. It's not a. It's it's not. It's not what makes people feel special. I, I mean, will tell you this: if I was an avid drinker of that product mm-hmm. and I saw that ad campaign, it would offend me. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just, uh, but people want to be able to say, "Hey, I was out with some friends last night. We tried some of this Whitmire's small batch whiskey." Man, it, uh, let me tell you about it. I really liked it because of this, this, and this. That's the way people want to be. They want to talk to you about something that is unique or something that everybody isn't already telling Tommy you Tommy on our uh, comment feed here says, I think there's a resurgence of cocktails as well. Cocktails drive people to then start experimenting with spirits uh, that go into those cocktails. And I, I think, think there's that's, a lot of validity that's to that. That's 100% true. Definitely and we, the craft cocktails. Yeah, and yeah. when we did, you know, when we had uh, Peter from uh, the Ready Room and, and Ritual on uh, and did our cocktail show, you know, those cocktails are like outrageous. There's nothing normal about there was, any of those cocktails. There was forever a mentality, and I'm sure you guys have, have run into this, a forever mentality that when you have whiskey or uh, spirits of a certain quality, you just don't mix those. You don't put ice in them, blah, blah, blah. There's that... There's that, you know, you'll still go into bars and, you know, I, I always order whiskey with a rock or two in it. And th- inevitably, you know, one out, of, one out of three times, somebody next to me is like, I can't believe you'd ruin that whiskey that way. I'm like, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question. Do you mind if I put a piece of ice in your whiskey? Did you pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Right? But, so, but it, why do you do that, though? Well, because I like the experience of the whiskey. I like to try it neat. Which you can try as soon as a piece of ice hits it. You can try it, and then you get the neat flavors. And then as it melts in, it dilutes it and opens up a lot more flavors, and you get the whole experience as the ice melts in. So you get to try... Uh, yeah, you get a lot more out of it, I yeah. believe, that way. Well, I like it. I'm getting a look from you. What are you thinking about that? No look. No look. Like I said, <laughs> hey, it's yours. You drink, drink it how you like to drink it. How do you experience your whiskey? Uh, are, you, are you strictly a neat uh, person? No, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah. 
Um, more more often neat than not, and especially if it's something that I haven't tried before, um, because that'll let me know whether or not I want to continue drinking. Right, it does give you sort of the purest. Right. You know, yeah. Well, that's, and I always try it that way. But back to the original point of this too is there's now a trend where when you drink that level of whiskey, you're it's okay to it's okay to mix it. Right. It's okay to make a cocktail out of better ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I will agree that to a certain degree, if you have something that has very delicate flavors. You might be crushing those flavors if you're putting lime and salt on it. However, you know, that's that's your own choice. And what he said, did you pay for it? Yeah. It's yeah. yours. It, is it what you like? That's the thing. That's why I don't like... If you want to make an old-fashioned out of 30-year-old... Uh, Glen Morangy, fine, do it. If you think that it's <laughs> if you think that it's better that you enjoy it more, then do it. Like that's why the Budweiser campaign is stupid, because what you really should drink is what turns you on, not but what the, turns the masses on. But the Budweiser yeah. campaign is going to work exactly for the people that think that that's a good thing. Well, that's, that's good. Fine. There's just a lot yes. fewer of them than there used to be yeah. because people uh, are changing. All right, let's talk about the few, not the many. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Whitmire's and let's do some sampling. Is this the first uh, first one? No, this Correct. is the yeah, first one, one we're going to start with. Tell us sure. tell us a little bit about what you brought us here today and uh, in in what way is this different from if I were lucky enough to find a bottle of Whitmire's on the shelf? Um, so this is the uh, most recent thing that we released and uh it's honestly all sold out we we had five barrels there was a lot of experimentation involved so i'm feeling Um, pretty lucky that we've got a bottle here yeah it's it's a single malt whiskey and uh you have two two different two different variations here so two different barrels one came in at 102 proof one came in at 112 proof it's three different types of malt um i used uh maris otter uh simpson's golden promise and a biscuit malt Mm. Um, and it's 100% malted barley, um, aged in 30 gallon char number three American white oak, and uh, same same barrels that I use for for making my bourbon. Um, I use three different yeast strains mm-hmm. and uh, kind of tested all five barrels. Um, Buffalo Bayou and I, Ryan, do you, mm-hmm. do you, oh, definitely definitely good guys, good friends of ours. Kind of we, we got started about the same time. Uh, they actually brewed our mash for us, or oh, I nice. say rather, uh, we brewed our mash on their system just right. because we were able to knock it out in about uh, six hours versus <laughs> six days. Right, right. Is that the same? Uh, the same? Um, um, the same way they make the wort for the beer? Is that the same system? It's very much the same. Yeah, very much gotcha. the same. Um, only difference is they they basically produced the sugar water for me, and I I hauled it back up to the distillery and pitched the yeast, let it ferment, and then okay. I want to point something out about this because I, while you were talking, I was um, doing research. Yeah, I was doing research. <laughs> sure. This we have a beer here called Snickerdoodle. This smells like a cookie. This smells like <laughs> delicious. It's so sweet and chocolatey and and. Wow, it, it like does cinnamony. have some really yes, yeah. I get I get all of that in there. I was just going to say it's it's got such pleasantness to it. Thank you uh, for uh, and I, I'm, I was looking for a better word, but that was the only one I was coming up with. And the, just, the heat in this is in a weird spot. Yes, like usually it's between, at the end or comes back. This is kind of like between right, the mi- between the middle and the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like right before <laughs> the end, yeah. and then finishes smoother with mm-hmm. with less heat. That's. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm. Wow. So you mentioned that um, these two are 
quite a bit different in proof. Uh, was that because of preparation? Were, was one of them uh, in uh, the cask longer? What, what, what caused the difference in proof? These two barrels sat right beside each other the entire time they aged, and they were both, when the raw distillate was placed into the barrel, they were both um, 110 proof. So one gained a little bit, one lost a little bit. Do you have any, uh, is there a scientific explanation for why uh, that might I'm, happen? I'm sure there is, but I, I couldn't <laughs> do a very good job That's, that's kind it. of a beautiful thing about the barrel aging is the barrel mm-hmm. is in charge of the flavors at that point. In, you know, it also speaks to what we were talking about earlier. Like, on one hand, you would think consistency would be great in these situations, but on the other, it's so cool that it's different. You well, know? I think that, that that would be the difference between like having a core line where you would have to con- constantly try and keep that blend as exact as you can, and then even or keep that whiskey as exact as you can, even blending different barrels to make sure that you get back to that same profile versus a single barrel, which allows you to just let the barrel say, hey, this is what it's going to taste like. So, right, and it's it, it's bottled directly from the barrel. It's uncut, unfiltered. So, so when we say barrel, uh, how big are these barrels? How much uh, liquid do these barrels hold? The ones that I use predominantly are 30 gallons. Um, the standard kind of in the industry, the big guys in Kentucky, Tennessee, if you will, use use almost exclusively 53-gallon barrels. So break that down <laughs> to the lowest compound. How many bottles does a 30-gallon barrel equal? Yeah, that's interesting. It's 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 all over the place. With these, I'll take these five as an example. We had one barrel that yielded 45 bottles. We had uh, a few others that were 100, 110. You know, we can get about 120 um, at at barrel proof at cast strength. Now, mm. you know, if it's 115 proof, and then you you add some water to get it down to bottling strength, mm-hmm. you can you can squeeze you can a few squeeze a few, uh, more, squeeze a few more out of it. But right, right. Is um, is is that pretty much how it's always done if you come in overproof on something and it's something where you've got you know where the product is a certain proof uh rather than it being uh you know individual um is 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 it just adding water is that how you bring bring the proof down oh yeah yeah, yeah that's 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 how it's done it's mean, so interesting universal solvent yeah it's, <laughs> right? it's just so now, interesting because it seems like it would change the flavor so much as well you know as well as the uh, as the proof well it will it will well, that's why that's why you add water when you're tasting as well. It opens up flavors, so that's obviously going to change the profile a bit. What uh, what would a bottle if that was on the shelf? What would that bottle uh, be selling for? Uh, for tax, that was an eighty nine dollar bottle. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. It's outstanding. Had, uh, it really is. I mean, this is this is one of those things that you just go. This this is why life's too short to drink mediocre. Whiskey. Like that cigar I had last night with yeah. this would just be oh outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. It really is good. Okay. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a, uh, a quick break. We're going to come back. We have more whiskey to taste. We also want to uh, taste the Snickerdoodle Ale, but we'll do that right after coming back from the break. And uh, obviously, we've got some more uh, questions about this and and, uh, and how soon you can get that production cranked up so we can find stuff sure. like this easier in the uh, uh, in the stores. It's Smoking and Toasting, and it's show number 118. We'll be right back. Right. And I get like... Just, I mean, it's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. It's just yeah. such a pleasant, you know, delicious flavor. I love it. It's. I didn't want to say this in the second because I didn't want to give the wrong impression, but it's almost got a... Whoa. 
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, and it's show number 118. Our show's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Our uh, guest today, uh, Stuart and Travis from Whitmire's, and they brought along uh, some whiskey, the first of which is uh, kind of blowing our minds here a little bit. We're just uh, we're just talking about it in between the segments, how good this whiskey outstanding. is. outstanding. <laughs> it really Thank is. You. And, and, you know, it's, it's you know, we, uh, on the show, we're, we're in the very fortunate position of being able to taste, you know, a lot of different things, and it's awesome, and we love doing it. Um, but sometimes you sort of think you won't get pleasantly surprised anymore. You know what I mean? Like you sort of think maybe, yeah, we've we've probably, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, but like you you sort of get maybe a little immune to the wow. You know, is is a good way to put it. You know, and uh, so, but I got I got totally wowed by this. I was saying in the break, awesome. this is right where my palate wants to go for uh, uh, for whiskey. It's it's. Just I, I try. Delicious. I strive to be childlike in my delight when it comes to new whiskeys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. That's that's exactly uh, exactly. As that's you the picture be. I want you to have of me in your mind. So this should be interesting to go now from this. We talked about how wonderful, uh, wonderfully pleasant this taste is to the Snickerdoodle Ale, which is uh, from Community. That was a very interesting, almost like a whistle uh, <laughs> to that uh, to that opening sound, uh, guys. I, I know this is your first time being on the show, but as you can tell, we believe in really high tech sound effects, nice. and so that's uh, that's how we that's how we roll. So, uh, the Snickerdoodle Ale is from Community Brewing, which is uh, in Dallas, I believe. Um, Ian, we've had some Community products on the show before. Is that right? We have, and I can't think of the name of it. I can almost picture the uh, the, uh, the. I remember their the logo. Can. We'll go back this way one. <laughs> We'd have to go back and yeah, um, we're gonna have to create a chart of stuff we taste. But I'm really curious about this. This is uh, uh, it's an ale, and it's uh, you know this is sort of replacing our Christmas ale uh, for for the show uh, because we've been doing. There's not a lot on the nose on this. No, this you're is, right. I was expecting more of the the sort of spice and sweetness on the nose. I mean, there's there's a little bit there, but I'm just not getting a, a whole mm -hmm. lot of. Well, it'll be interesting to see if that comes later. There's a. It's definitely got enough uh, enough head to it, so you'd expect there to be more aroma. Wow. Wow. This is cinnamony, mm -hmm. cinnamon sugary. This and is, I'm I'm definitely getting the uh, snickerdoodle. This, I understand where it comes from. <laughs> I think yep. they nailed snickerdoodle on this. Yes, I think they did. Now I will say it's. This such is like one of those snickerdoodles that had this, <coughs> the powdery kind of sugary cinnamon stuff sitting on top of it. Yes, too. it is such a different <laughs> profile. Than the the Whitmires. I was before we sampled. I was thinking these two might pair with each other. I'm not sure that no. they do. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> such a different kind of sweetness. But you, you know, you never know until you try something. But uh, mm. no, they cover up they cover up each other a little bit. That's is, uh, is community is community the uh, um, uh, Brian on the uh, on the chat said temptress. Is that where are they the ones that do the temptress series? Oh. Yeah, uh, they Is are. Is that community brewing? I think so. Those are wonderful. Because uh, we've had the coconut temptress, the uh, mint, yeah, chocolate oh, mint temptress. The chocolate mint was just just outrageous. Um, I really enjoy this. It's not uh, it's not a match with the whiskey, but I really do enjoy it. I don't know that it's something I would want year round. This you know? is but no. uh, but for a special. Uh, Thing, having a party, some friends over. The, yeah, this is a fun one. Let's split a can. Yes, exactly. Kind of thing, and quite drinkable at that. Yep, yep. yep absolutely. Um, absolutely. The flavor profiles, uh, it's a little bit, 
it's a little bit much for for drinking more than a can of it mm-hmm. at a time. I think, mm-hmm. but what a nice little departure there. You mentioned uh, you guys have um, uh, friendship with the guys at uh, Buffalo Bayou uh, Brewing Company. Have they ever gotten some uh, barrels from you and tried to do some um, some uh, barrel aged stouts, things things of that nature? We've we've definitely talked about going down that road. Um, I want to say very early on. Uh, like year two, they did a thing uh, for their second year anniversary where I think it was their gingerbread stout. Mm-hmm. They put on some, uh, I think I think it was just uh, wood chips. They, they didn't have enough for a whole barrel or it was just one small keg. But it, uh, the short answer is no, but a little bit. They've done some wonderful limited release beers just great guys too just uh well their 1836 is just one of those standbys for me yes like absolutely love that beer it's probably my favorite in their ongoing line i think it's just i think it's just delicious some people like the white ale but it's uh, it's uh, funny because if i walk into a a, an establishment that has a whole bunch of beers in 1836 before i even choose i'll usually go i'll have that Mm-hmm. And then I'll peruse the rest of the beer. Right, then you're, you're right. It's, it's, your, it's your good first choice. Like you know, you know your solid. All right, right and I'm not holding up the bartender. Here. You know, let's uh, let's see what else is here. Um, you mentioned that uh, you sell so much of the of the Whitmires there at the distillery. Um, what is the second place that it goes? Do you do you go to bar accounts next, or do you go to retail accounts next? If you've got enough to so, to send out. I may be telling you something you, you already know, but with spirits uh, in the state of Texas and, and, well, the whole country, but especially here in Texas, uh, distilleries can't. Yeah, the, the, we have to use a distributor. Yeah, you a distributor, right, you know, right? Whereas breweries, you're allowed to, you know, up to a point, you'll, so you does, can self-distribute. But. So does that mean that you, once you use a distributor, that they're the ones who kind of decide where it goes? That's that's is that really the way it that's works? Okay, it. all right, and, I didn't uh, know that. I that's didn't. a three-tier system, and then you know, in Texas, we've even got a an additional tier, if you will, with mm-hmm. the with the bars, restaurants, and on-premise, mm-hmm. right. Where the distributors don't sell to the bars and restaurants mm-hmm. per se, that's you know the the wholesalers like uh, like a Specs mm-hmm. or uh, uh, yeah, a lot you know, of any, any any number of wholesalers that will sell to bars and restaurants. Yeah, so a lot of people actually don't know that about Specs. Is in addition to being you know a, a really strong retailer in this space, they also are a wholesaler that that sells directly to bars and, and restaurants. And so, particularly in the Greater Houston area, mm-hmm. but also some of the other areas in texas um a lot of the places where you're going and ordering something at a bar they actually got that from you know from specs as mm-hmm. their delivery uh, system so That's right yeah. um so what you'll do is you'll then uh connect with the distributor and then you don't really have that much say about where they put uh where they put it in in terms I of can bars make a, i can make a suggestion about uh, what i think it ought to end up Right. Or retail wise, if somebody on the comes shelf, to you, and, if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, it's out of my hands, I, it's out of my hands. I want this in my bar. Tax has been paid. Right, right. <laughs> if somebody comes to you and says, "I want this in my bar," can you, you can at least direct them to it, right? I can, you know, I can kind of work my end. They can work their yeah, end, and yeah. if it's available, then, right, then, right. You know, it's so interesting. So it all I know, seems more political than you would want it to be. Yeah, That's I know nuts. in the beer industry. So I guess that that goes down to uh, what you were saying about beer can distribute their own up to a certain. 
amount because in the beer industry they hire a lot of reps that go out and, and hustle basically mm-hmm. hustle sure. and go yeah. to bars and and talk to the bartenders and the bar owners and here try my beer can i get a tap they they always are looking for that single tap space first and then go right there. but you guys don't don't have don't have that no at all no, we don't no, we don't right. have I mean, we can go force. talk about it until yeah. we're blue in the face but Right. Distributor has to give it to legally. Right. We're not allowed to walk into a liquor store or a bar with a bottle of our product and offer a sample or a taste to a decision maker in in that establishment. We we can't do it. It's it has okay. to be the distributor be that distributor. does that. That has to be the distributor. That does Interesting. That. So, uh, and if if I'm asking questions that that you don't want to answer, I I totally understand. But do you do you have any way? Do you monitor what? Is there a way to monitor what the distributors do? Because obviously these distributors are not just carrying your product; they're carrying other sure. whiskeys and, and stuff as well. Like, how do you how do you make sure that you are getting the kind of representation that you want from a distributor? Well, yeah, you know, we're we've been in the area now for mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you've been uh, around for a while. Yeah. We've been we've been here for a few years, so I, I I think we've got some pretty good relationships with most of our with most of our key customers, mm-hmm. and they know that they can call us if they've right. got an issue. Even though we might not be able to resolve it directly, you know, and we haven't really come across any any huge issues that warranted. You know. <laughs> did, did you know any of this stuff when you first started opening the, the distillery? I knew it was going to be a challenge, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make booze and sell it. You know? <laughs> so, how many bottles do you guys produce a year? Oh, currently? that's that's kind of kind of all over the place. Uh, it seems like this last year, I don't even know because mm-hmm. we look in uh, in terms of proof gallons, which mm-hmm. we report to the to the federal government, and the state looks at it differently. Mm-hmm. We've got you know all these different reports we have to fill out every month. Because God forbid they would all look at it the same way and make things you know, easy to report. Right, right. Yeah. Um, kind of so like the music can I get business. Back to you on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're so, not closed out with the year yet. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, the reason I was going to ask is like. Where are you in terms of where you would like to be? Like, what's what for for a small distillery? Do you want to see this get really big, or is there a limit to how big you want to go? There's definitely a limit to how, how you know. I I think we can stay in Texas and be just fine. Really, you know, long term. I, yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty comfortable with where we're at. We definitely need more of this available. Yes. Right, that's year sort round, of your first challenge, you know, right? In, in yeah. Our, you know, we, we definitely need to increase that. So that's, I'm, that's I'm going to second that, by the way. More of this <laughs> yes. around year-round. We I want need more this. of that at my house. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, this is a good place to take a break. When we come back, we're going to try uh, another beer, and we're going to try this other, the higher-proof uh, version of this. Plus, I have a few uh, more uh, whiskey questions, and I'm sure that, uh, that Ian does as well. I want to ask you about uh, Texas whiskey, about your take on, on what's happening in this you know, in the state of Texas and why it seems to be a thing. You certainly hear about, you know, Kentucky whiskey, and uh, but you don't hear a lot about other states. You don't hear about Florida whiskey or Arizona whiskey, but you definitely hear about Texas whiskey. So sure. I want to get into why you think that is, and uh, since you're one of the uh, shining examples of Texas whiskey, you're a perfect guy to ask. So we'll sure. get to that coming up, and uh, we'll, taste, uh, we'll taste more. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 118. Time for me to go open up the shop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. 
And uh, this is a, uh, it's a program that's all about craft beer, fine uh, spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by our good friends and the amazing people at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, I say amazing people, our buddy Jeremiah there is in charge of uh, curating the bar selection. And it is, honestly, it is one of my favorite bars in the greater uh, Houston area. He just does such a great job putting together what's there, the selection. It's not what's a bar there. that has a, a ton of stuff that no, you would you would say, but it's they've got so a lot, well curated. But yeah. it's not like some places where you go and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bottles. It's more about how well curated it is. About wow. how and what a job! That, always fun what a job something. that guy did when we did our whiskey sniff. Oh my! What God. a job did he do with uh, uh, talking to the different yes, uh, uh, different reps from the different mm-hmm. uh, whiskey companies? Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Uh, and by the way, don't want to put you on the spot, but we want you to know you are absolutely invited to be part of next year's whiskey sniff. We would love to have you there. Uh, it's just it was one of the. It was one of the cooler evenings we've uh, we we've ever we've ever had. It was it was just a it was just a great event. People had uh, the most wonderful time. Basically, the whiskey it. sniff is uh, is where uh, it was based on something that Ian actually does at his house by himself uh, when he's uh, smoking a cigar. He lights the cigar. Correct me, yeah. Ian, if I if I say this wrong. Uh-huh. Lights a cigar, smokes the first half inch or so, mm-hmm. gets it on his palate, and then you go in. You've got a decent selection mm-hmm. of whiskeys, right? So what do you? Do from there well you go in and, and smell your whiskey and the one that smells like it goes best with that cigar is the one that's going to go best with the cigar it's a great pairing tool it's yeah what's funny is it's so simple like it's such an incredibly simple thing and it works every single time what i loved about the whiskey sniff was not so much that i think people did that to find their pairing but what i think they did is they they used it to see how different cigars and different whiskeys did pair. So I think mm-hmm. I think they would light a cigar, they would try it with one, they would finish off, because it was, you know, not a big glass, a small sample. They'd finish that off, and then they'd go and try something else and, and see how that uh, Well, and it's up. ever-evolving, too, because once you have the cigar in your palate and you find a whiskey that goes well with it and you have a, a sample of that whiskey, well, then you now have the whiskey and the cigar in your palate. And then the next thing you try might you could go back and try three things that you already smelled, and one of them may smell like that's the one I want to go with it because your palate is 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 ever evolving in that situation. And I'll give you a perfect example of how things like this can be really worthwhile. Uh, my friend and, and business partner Pat is not a whiskey guy. He's he drinks gin. That's his you know mm-hmm. uh, that's his spirit of choice, and and you know enjoys a few other things. He's open minded, but he's never really become a whiskey guy. He comes to the whiskey sniff, enjoys a number of things. I'm over at his house a couple of days ago. He's got a bottle of Four Roses sitting there. You know why? Because he tried it at the whiskey sniff, the whiskey and sniff. he thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And and that's it. that just shows you how an event like well, that and it works with every spirit. It really does. Yeah, it's, it, Maybe vodka because vodka has a little less on the, on the <laughs> nose. But I mean, it works with every spirit. Like I've you're had right, we had the gins and, and things well, like and that. We had another table, and I wish and I, I apologize for not remembering which gin this was. But someone, uh, one of the companies, brought a gin that was completely different from any gin that we'd ever tried, and it paired so well with the cigar. Yeah, it was, was pretty smoking. outrageous. Uh, it, a, was, it was just terrific. There's a distillery out in um, in uh, Smithville called Bone Spirits, and they make an aged gin called Dirty. 
Dirty Gin that goes amazing with cigars. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. doesn't mix with anything. Is is gin uh, something you guys have, have ever tried? Yeah, tried I'm kind of kicking uh, myself uh, for not bringing a bottle of gin. Oh, Uh-oh. well, you know what? <laughs> we actually don't do we actually don't talk about gin that much on the show, yeah. but uh, but it's 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 something that we do we do enjoy and and. Uh, again, it's another one of those spirits that I understand is just like going crazy. Like mm-hmm. people are really there's a lot of excitement about it. It's premium still beers. that smallest it's section smallest. in yeah. the liquor store. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we age our our gin. It's uh, the botanicals are juniper, coriander, orange peel. I distill it with whole cinnamon sticks and age it on sassafras wood for about three three four months. Okay, I we're, will tell we're you, gonna have to try that. I will tell you that based on you know my particular palate. That doesn't sound really good to me all by itself, but I know that when it is all together in the gin, <laughs> that I will like it because of other things that that I that I've had. I mean, now is, is your gin very juniper forward, or is it a little more just overall? The juniper's botanical? there, but it's definitely taken a back. Seat a lot of times, to the you, other the other when you age it, the juniper tends to tends to uh, <laughs> tends to kind of take mellow over. out a little. Oh, bit. to mellow yeah. out. Okay, got gotcha. it. Seems. Well, I, uh, you know, we'll have to have you back because we'd love to try that. In I, fact, have a, I have a question for you, Cruz. Yes. What did you do to this can? You know, I, it, that can <laughs> is a little beat up, but this, I had this to, can has been. <laughs> I, I had to get it because um, I really wanted us to try this based on the name. This is the next beer we're trying, and it is from the Texas Ale Project. These guys are based out of Dallas, and the name of this beer is One Hundred Million Angels Singing Double IPA. And so we, you know, we don't do a lot of doubles on the show, and part of the reason is because um, Ian uh, is is not as much of an IPA guy as I am. But I have a tendency to like the IPAs that are maybe a little more sessionable, a little less uh, less of a hop bomb, and more uh, citrusy. I love the whole juicy craze that's been uh, a big part of the last year. Um, but this just looked really, really interesting to me, and the fact that they were willing to name it "100 Million Angels Singing" made me think we got to at least try it. That's marketing. no pressure, nothing no, to live up to there. No, but it's marketing; it made me try it. I, I might have passed on it. Smells it good. Had there been a, a different name uh, that was less, uh, shall we say, over the top? Like you so. can make it. This smells pleasant enough to where you oh, can make really a does. candle out of this. Yeah. <laughs> like that's <laughs> no. We know we've had IPA soaps because we've uh, we've had those on the show before, but. Uh, Candles is a great idea. I'd love a good hoppy candle in my house. Okay, so well, this is good. You you like this now? I'm surprised because I don't. When we go double IPA, I kind of expect it to not be to your palate because of you have to you have to hops. take a sip of this and think about it for a minute because it actually evolves as it as it goes down. It's immediately kind of a hop bomb. Yes, hops but right off the bat. You almost expect it to go pine cone on you towards the end. You know that mm-hmm. feeling like when you. Mm-hmm chew on a pine cone it's a lot but of it doesn't are, really go there, but it doesn't does it? do that yeah. it actually mellows out it's like the malt is on the end of this and smooths out into uh it's there's a little dryness to it but it's not it's not bitter at the end this is actually interesting travis when it comes to uh beer where do your tastes lie what's your favorite sort of style i'm i'm definitely more of an ale guy mm-hmm. I'm not a not a huge fan of ipas mm. I'll, I'll, you know mm-hmm I you know it's a, I, I it's have no a, problem drinking this. This yeah. is this is well, and Ian's, Ian's kind of the same way, although he's liking this. But and and he's liked a number of IPAs we've had on the show. But that's not his first. You know, no, that's I'm not way his more like thing. way more into the. You love the Scotch ales and, and, and the ales porters and and, and barley wines and. and <laughs> love if it's, that yeah. stuff. If it's yeah. huge, Ian loves it. Like yeah. when it comes to beers, like he, he just loves those those big big beer flavors. That's why it's funny that we kept talking about 1836 earlier. That's like my. 
later I'm going to drink a few of these beer of choice. Well, you know what that. I love about 1836, and, and we really have to have those guys on the show. <laughs> we keep coming back to it today. What, it's awesome. Because <laughs> it, it, it's such a good beer. But what I love about it is it has this, um, this chocolate on the finish that's almost like an after you've already like swallowed it and and you you know you're not taking another drink and then you like breathe in for the first time and and there's this like chocolate I, I see what you're saying I think it's I think surprise. a better descriptor of that uh, like for me anyway is more like that malt powder kind of Well thing. it is it is we're probably talking about this very chocolate and I'm just describing it as flavor chocolate but you're right it's it's there's a maltiness uh, you know I'm I'm old enough that I actually remember when you could go when I was a little kid, and you could get a malt. Yep, I like remember that. At, at, uh, even some of the like fast food places would actually have malts. You remember Griff's Burgers? No, I never remember. Okay, yeah, well, let's see. That's because that's of how old <laughs> I am. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, they had Griff's Burgers, and Griff's had malt. And so I remember that taste. You probably remember it best from malted milk balls. Well, there's that, too. Yeah. But okay. I remember getting, like, the real deal malts. If you ever got a real deal malt, you always had a couple little balls of malt that would form that were just the powder, <laughs> and you'd get a sip, and you'd have that and powder out in your mouth, and it was wonderful. That also happens with Nestle's Quick, by the way. Just, <laughs> oh, just the powder, not yeah, the... Yeah, the powder. Yeah, not yeah, the yeah, squeezy Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I, I really like this. Is this pasture, is this, pal- is this not something that your palate uh, appreciates as much? I can I can get through it, but it's not something that I not would buy. Not something you would buy. Well, I I'm pretty impressed. Ian, let me ask you this: this or a dogfish head, something in the um, you know sixty to ninety, uh, 90 minute. minute range. Ninety minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is good, but it's not that. Yeah, like that to me is is just one of the pinnacles of the style. That so that would be more like two hundred million angels singing. Yes. Yeah. Now I will tell you that this this is a good beer. You can taste the quality, and you can tell that they really set out to make a nice, um, a nice quality product. I love that it says double IPA, pine, period, resin, period, citrus, and I'll agree with all that. It's interesting that it's as malty as it is. It is nine point two percent, which makes me almost like it a little better. <laughs> That's so you. It's so you. By the way, our buddy Brian on the uh, comments mentioned that uh, um, he corrected himself. Uh, Lakewood uh, Brewing brews Temptress and Community. Uh, they have the Imperial Stout called Legion, which I believe we've tried on the show before. So, uh, By the way, also from yes, the comments, that is correct. Uh, Matt Crow chimed in and said, I got in late on this. What is the name of the distillery brand? We're talking Whitmire's, and we're going <laughs> to talk some more uh, Whitmire's. In fact, I think maybe it's time to go to the 112 proof. Now, I'm going to ex- give a shout out to my CCSD sure. guys out there, yes. by the way. Let's ex- do this. Yeah, ex- <laughs> Explain again what what is different from the uh, bottle that we had earlier and this bottle is it only just the different can, different the barrel different? D- different barrel different yeast strain oh different yeast strain that's, okay that's it and would you expect the different yeast strain to have any impact on why this one came out at a higher proof or is that not part not, of the uh, not not with respect to proof but at the time they were they were each put into their respective barrels and uh, they were both 110 proof Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so that the change just happened over time. So this, this one smells up a nothing bit. like the other one. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm like I smell like well, uh, you're right. Mineral. Yes, it's got there's a there's a pine a really resin. Pleasant, yeah. <laughs> no, there's a really pleasant minerality to this that wasn't a part of the last one at all. The last one uh, had the flavors were so like almost almost dessert like not in a cognac kind of way not in a. Uh, 
a liqueur kind of a way. But they were almost dessert-like, and this is completely different. This is more like, uh, so this is minerality. Uh, with this with this process, it's it's as close as America can get to a Scotch whiskey. Um, now, what, prim- do you, what do you mean when you say that? Well, you know, they're the Scotch. Scots have all their own rules, right. and we have our rules here in the states. So obviously, it's single malt, right? Yeah. And and there's not there's a there's a technical definition in the U.S. for malt whiskey, and it kind of falls along the same lines as rye and bourbon. It's got to be fifty one percent malt, yada yada yada, uh, or malted barley. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the one of the biggest things in there is malt whiskey in the U.S. has to be aged in new oak, and and in Scotland, As most of what used. they use is used, is used oak. oak. Yeah, and so that makes a huge difference. So, this is so interesting to me how amazingly different these two bottles are, Ama- like night and day different. And I love them both, but they almost don't even taste like they're the same. There's thing. there's a universal uh, chocolatiness to both of them that really Agreed. says okay yeah. yep. i come yep. from the same stock basically but this flavor the flavor on this one is very upfront, and then the first like third of the flavor profile if you ask me like as it crosses and then finishes right. nice and smooth and and i love that mineral watery yes. kind of uh, mineral of water finish, aftertaste yeah. Yeah. that to me is so good it's like it's like austin water have you ever mm-hmm tasted Austin tap water it's delicious it has a nice yeah it has more flavor. minerality to it Houston water is <laughs> nothing like that <laughs> <laughs> um, so what this brings to mind for me is how difficult it must be as a distiller when you have your let's say your primary like your baseline product that you want to be consistent when you release you want every bottle of that that goes to the stores to have the same flavor the same you know um, the same vibe to it how difficult it must be to to find consistency when you've got two barrels next to each other yes there's a different yeast strain but like wow how difficult is that to maintain that consistency with what goes out and how do you do it how do you blend for that uh i just kind of follow the same step start to finish no matter <laughs> right, what right. i'm making and and you know when it comes down to making cuts i i tend to go a little deeper than i think most do um, which yields less product, but I think it makes a better product. Mm. Um, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, wow. you can taste the quality in this all day long. Now, when it... The, I'm sorry, go just, ahead. I was just going to point out, when you say single uh, single barrel or single malt, when you put those two words together, those are actually telling you two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people think that uh, single malt is a phrase meaning there's one malt. That's not what it means. Uh, would you like to explain that? Uh, this sh- is a little whiskey 101 <laughs> here. Yeah. Well, with and and you know here locally, so it's not it's not confused. Technically, there is no such thing as a single malt. There's it, no it's, one uh, malt, it, right? It's well, it's not a single a single type of malt. Um, what this is is it's made under one roof, grain to glass, at my distillery. It's it's 100 percent. And malt. that's your single. And mm-hmm. and and it, exactly. So that's right. that's single and. So if if we if we at some point in the future in America decide to adopt a definition and kind of follow what Scotch single or single malt Scotch whiskey would be, then mm-hmm. kind of be along those lines. But right. Uh, so what what basically this is like when you're talking about Scotch as well, the single refers to this is all made basically under one roof kind of thing. 
and then the malt refers to the mash bill that you're right. that you're making. So it's actually when you see single malt, that's telling you two different things going on with the uh, with the whiskey. There is it perceived by maybe the consumer that's not as educated about whiskey and stuff that single malt means a higher quality and that there's a there's a reason why that should be better. I mean, because we've had some amazing single malts. We've also had some amazing, like, blended bourbons that were just, like, way over the top. You know, I, you know, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with a blend. Um, however, when you're talking things that are, you know, single barrel, single malt, I know, just for me, at my little tiny distillery, and mm-hmm. I have to believe the thinking is the same anywhere you are, uh, if, you fi- if you come across a really nice barrel... You don't want to do anything to it, and you're going to hold that. Nobody else is going to get it, and that's going to be your baby, and you're going to walk it all the way out. Um, And whatever's left over, well, that's your blend. Mm Mm-hmm. I get it. I totally get it. (laughs) Well, so I I think blended is a little less expensive to make, too, because you can blend and you can source your blend from a lot of places. A single means it's got to come from one spot. Depends on what you're blending, I guess. But, yeah, the idea of the single... Maybe much more difficult to control costs on that. You know, I don't know. Uh, tell me, is that correct? So, shout out to the Houston Bourbon Society. Now we have venture, ventured into uh, the, this idea of blends. Yeah, we love, and, uh, by the way, Chris Hart uh, and the Houston Bourbon Society. Mm-hmm. We, we think those guys are awesome. So, I kind of have to, you know, want to watch my tongue because it's important to me because of all these, tech, you know, the technical things. Um, it, so blends versus batched and mm-hmm. uh, you know i could get nerdy with this stuff but there will always be somebody in the group that'll <laughs> say well that's not correct <laughs> you know and a lot of times that guy's me so i don't want right. to be that <laughs> i don't want to be the totally understand <laughs> I, I you know i certainly don't mind being corrected just fyi yeah. I, I have no problems with that so if i said anything wrong please let me know so <laughs> well you know yeah, generally speaking, blending makes makes sense. I mean, you're throwing a few things together. Um, but there's always a technical definition. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking blended whiskey in the U.S., it means you can do a lot of stuff to it. To, um, you can add uh, neutral spirit, vodka. You can add artificial colors and flavors. You can proof it down. I mean... Um, it seems to me that... Versus batching, you yeah. know, or, or, you know, taking whole barrels and then just putting whole barrels together and still not doing anything to it um or maybe just adding a little bit of water um there you know there are some definitely some differences so it Mm -hmm. seems to me that batching is more about the purity of the concept and blending is more about we want to blend for the very best flavor we can come up with i i refuse to buy an 80 proof whiskey i won't do it Um, why is that straight or otherwise um, mm-hmm. because it's the absolute minimum by law if it's uh, if even if it's a bourbon labeled as bourbon or rye it can't be bottled at less than 80 proof and that means to me that, that they have it they have done the absolute can. minimum to right. get the maximum um, i like barrel proof stuff um single barrels whole barrels and it, it, you know i i can add water myself Ian's you know. that way too, uh-huh. but I thought it was just because he really liked getting drunk. So, uh. well, there's a little of a, a little column B there on that one. Let's go for C. Let's go for C. Yeah. I'm not just speaking Spanish. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, so this is uh, this is fascinating to me, and I want to come back to this uh, in the final segment. Also, uh, you should know that I received a text a moment ago 
from uh, Keegan, who works uh, uh, here at the company, uh -huh. who says, I did bring a Whitmire's Harvey bottle, if you hmm. have any interest. Uh, I can bring it in. Uh, tell us about Harvey. So that was a thing that we put out. It was a 13-barrel release. And, uh, I'm just texting back yes right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's still a couple of bottles peppered around. Yeah. I um, saw one at uh, Specs in Tomball. Yep, it was um, it was about, a couple weeks ago. It was about 2,000 bottles that, that we put out, and they I think for the most part stayed right around here. And Specs, I think Specs got most of them, if not all of them. Mm. Um, again, that's something that we may have to try some Harvey in the next segment. I will tell you that this uh, just sort of a you know very amateur take on these two things that we've tried this latest and higher proof reminds me much more of like a scottish single malt the earlier one reminds me more of some of the best bourbons and and blended whiskey that i've had in terms of the flavor profile that that you got to with this thing and it's actually amazing to me that you got to it without blending you're not the first person to say that okay so I, at least I'm along not, those lines at least i'm not nuts so this <laughs> this makes me feel good all right so we will be back and maybe have some harvey plus uh we didn't get to it last week but we are definitely getting to it today uh prairie artisan ales paradise it's an imperial stout brewed with coconut and vanilla. There you go. Ian, I think you're going to love this. I love Prairie Brews. I'm hoping so. Uh, we'll be right back for our final segment. It's Smoking and Toasting live with Whitmire's in the studio and uh, loving it. Why does Keegan bring whiskey to work, by the way? So, your work I don't, I don't know if you knew, but Keegan, full of beer. Oh, yeah. Keegan's <laughs> wife and I, I don't know if he told you this Kristen, story. Yeah, she's a, we've Kristen. had her on the show, too. Uh-huh. Kristen and I were in elementary school together. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> Way <laughs> back when, and we were just kind of... Oh, Welcome back, my friends. This is Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 118. 118 shows, Ian, and no one has stepped in to make this stop. Right. <laughs> it's always amazing to me that we managed to last one more week. Uh, we are the uh, radio program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. You can find us on uh, all kinds of different platforms. We're on now on uh, Facebook Live. A lot of people consume the show that way and, and enjoy it. I know a lot of people like to listen to us in the car. They probably are listening on Apple Podcasts or on uh, Google, Play, yeah. Google Play. Or even Stitcher. Uh, or, 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 uh, yep. Or, or directly from SoundCloud, SoundCloud yeah. or, you know, there's there's so many different ways to get the show. We're on TuneIn, uh, and you can also find us on uh, YouTube, uh, which is a really cool way. Uh, I sometimes, when I'm up late working at night, I have a tendency to work on two computers at one time, and that's mostly because I work on one computer while on the other computer I watch crap on YouTube. So uh, so that's a fun way to consume the show. I, well. I just, I just want to point out, I love this prairie... Uh, we get this prairie artisan ales. Uh, is that I'm you got that on right. the camera there? Uh, um, this prairie yeah. artisan ales here. Am I holding that in the right spot? Yeah. yeah, there we go. Oh, now I can see what I'm doing. Okay, I love the label on this. This is somewhere between Magnum PI and Miami Vice. Well, Prairie is one of those interesting <laughs> companies <laughs> that you know they don't print on the can. They use a they regular just, yeah, silver can and they, and they put a label on, so they get real creative with their labels. And uh, yeah, you're right. In I'm okay Magnum with PI this too. The can itself not being printed, I think that's mm -hmm. kind of fun and probably offers a lot more 
Well, it's something that makes them different, I think, because yeah. you can you can always see when you're looking in the uh, you know in the in the beer cooler or on the aisles, you can always see where when a prairie is there because oh, you well, know, a lot of times when you go to a brewery too, they'll do that. They'll just have the cans <laughs> and you order a crowler and then mm-hmm. they stick the label on there for whichever you know beer you bought. Or mm-hmm. in some that's cases, true. they'll that's have true. one label that they'll write the name of it on. But you know, whatever. I'm going to go ahead and open this. Open. Why don't you? Oh, that was nice. That ah, was I got really, a little bit really of that nice. foam on the mic too. Yeah, and uh, you're probably going to enjoy that. Actually, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <be> my guess. <laughs> this is this is the color of used motor oil. By the way, I know that because it kind of splattered oh, on me. See, see, I already know you're going to love this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to if I'm it's cut. Make sure I have at least one of these swabbed out so that we can see the color of this. Okay, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this about a thirteen? It is thirteen percent. Yes. Yeah. So this is which just mean I'm you, automatically loving. You this. automatically love it. Yes. Like it's going to have to be a very bad beer for me to not enjoy so it. So we ran out of our clear cup. So um, we'll be uh, uh, we'll be using uh, Travis and I will be using the uh, the red cups. But Ian is uh, I did I saved the uh, is going back to the clear one so that you guys can see a the color and b the viscosity of this beer. So, yes, and it it has that. Wow. Well. It, okay, so honestly, holding, honestly, you holding know, this like, up here, it looks like coffee. It doesn't look like beer. It looks like coffee. This yeah. is a thick liquid right here. Wow, like there's almost no carbonation. Tell me what you're getting on the nose because maybe it's the bigger cup, but I'm not getting a whole lot. There's something there it's, I can't quite get it. Well, it says it's it's brewed with the uh, coconut it's and vanilla. Coconut I and smell vanilla. the coconut, the, the the coconut, but it's coconut. I love coconut. coconut. Uh, that's one. It's of not favorite. a real obvious. Not like a sweet like a, a mounds. Is mounds the ones that have coconut in it? Or yes, coconut. Yeah, mounds, yeah. mounds yeah. right. So it's not like a mounds coconutty kind of smell. It's it's more of a fresh coconut kind of smell to it, or a bitter coconut kind of smell. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, um, it doesn't smell like sweet coconut. I'm also getting just that that classic kind of stout malty scent. Mm-hmm. It's, none of it's really huge, though. It's not a very huge smelling beer. So I'm going to tell you something interesting, and and I'm and I I really like this. First of all, let me tell you. But secondly, I almost got sushi, and maybe it's the warm white rice. Maybe it's wasabi. I don't know what it is I'm getting here. But it's There's not, a little soy sauce to this. It, it's not necessarily fishy. Maybe it's the soy sauce. No, there's Maybe a little soy getting. sauce to this. Yeah, it's not fishy at all. But that's what that's what it is. It's soy sauce. I think that. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. There's, mm-hmm. but uh, now some some beers some beers age too long can mm-hmm. can go literally straight soy sauce. Well, this this doesn't have this. No, this, this has a little pleasant. bit of that. I think that's what you're coming up with because it's not fishy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right, no. I get what you're saying, but <laughs> yeah. it's not fishy. When I said sushi, no, it doesn't taste like fish. That that's for sure. But but it is very pleasant, and I love sushi anyway. But uh, it's very pleasant though. Very pleasant, like, a, like a, kind of a rice <laughs> rice type. Of yes, thing. rice. So I'm not I'm not rice crazy wasabi, about soy kind of yes, thing. Yes, yes. No, yeah, I, yeah. But but in I'm a very pleasant way. Like um, now, usually when I. Do eat sushi? I have a tendency to go for the much lighter sort of like the Japanese beers, like the the Kirin or the uh, uh, the uh, Sapporo or something like that. But this just leaves your entire mouth watering after you take mm-hmm. a swallow. This is mm-hmm. like 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 all my like like saliva glands are just going nuts right now. <laughs> so one of the things I'm noticing, Ian, and I've, I just got a hold of a whole bunch of new ones. That will be once we do Ian's crazy beer show, which I'm sure will be, you know, heavy with these. Um, but uh, once we get past, it, I just got a hold of a whole bunch of new ones that uh, we'll be trying over the uh, over the weeks of January and February. But one of the things I'm noticing is that 
it seems like all of the small craft breweries that are cropping up, they're all trying to do some really big beer, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of put themselves on the map in that way. And I'm I'm not against this. <laughs> you know, this is well. I think this is I think the, the trend really, is you have to have some kind of lager, some kind of sessionable mm -hmm. beer, whether it's probably a have to have lager an IPA. pilsner or whatever. Mm -hmm. You have to have an IPA. IPAs are just like even though the IPA craze is is gone down substantially, it's still like one it's of the most stable. popular styles. It's a yeah. yeah, so you have to have that. I think after that, you have to have a beer that legitimizes your artisanship, and I think that goes into big beers, whether it's stouts a, or porters or uh, right, some kind of barrel aged Scotch ale, Scotch barrel aged, aged yeah. yeah. Which I love all those. By the as way. the heavier beers go, Ian, where did would you put this one in the? The top fifty percent, the like everything like Prairie this? makes is very, very quality. Like they don't make anything less than outstanding quality. As far as the flavor profile goes, this is not one of my favorite flavor profiles of theirs. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know that I'd buy this again, but this is something about Prairie too. Is every time I see that name, I will try it because of the quality they've right. shown you in the past, right? But then again, if you're watching for Prairie Taps at a bar, you're going to a bar that obviously knows a lot about beer. Yeah. And two, it's almost never going to be the same beer twice. Right. Which means every time you go up there, you're going to get something new. Their their uh their birthday beer. I want to bring a birthday. I think I have a birthday beer at the house. This one is going to be one a of my prairie birthday beer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's nice. going to be one of my that I bring last, and that's one of those that I absolutely love. By the way, I'm getting an Uber for that show, just <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> that's like, I should get Brian to pitch in a beer yeah. or two, since yeah, he's uh, absolutely he's part of our show now on the comments. <laughs> absolutely, I love it. I will say about this, I'm not getting a whole lot of. It mentions it's brewed with coconut and vanilla yeah and i'm not getting a whole lot of either yeah, one of those if you, notes if you, told, you? if you told me coconut or vanilla were there i'd uh, here's the funny thing is it. look for the look for the vanilla and it's in a place where it never is on a drink like this is right on the tip of the tongue at the very beginning and mm. then it's just gone like that interesting that's that's where i notice it it's funny how it shows up in that and it's it's kind of a funny place for it it's where you never expect it hmm you know, and then the whole finish I get is, a little of that, is yeah. more dry coffee and and, and chocolatey the, and coconut. Yeah, you get the chocolate. That definitely. coconut astringency. Teriyaki. Like, <laughs> see, I'm with and you. Soy. See, I, I keep going back to that soy teriyaki. <laughs> Honestly, it reminds me of a very pleasant piece of sushi. Like, like uh, not, and not the fishy, like maybe one of the, you know, one of the, you know, fish that's not as fishy tasting so you know <laughs> so it doesn't overwhelm the flavor of like the rice and the seaweed and the soy right and, and, so, and you're not just being nice about it, it it's it's definitely so not bad but today's it's episode there. is it's called there. sushi yeah. beer, sushi beer. <laughs> it's, it's, honestly probably wouldn't be a big hit but uh, but i'm just trying to call it like i see it here and i think it's uh, i think it's very yeah this is very this is like i'm glad i tasted this i'm probably not gonna buy this one again but i love prairie's beers they're, well, they're yeah. so, they're so, so awesome. i'm looking forward to the birthday uh beer next week from uh yeah i'm pretty sure i have a bottle of that that's gonna well, go on that ian's crazy beer show so all right so um our uh friend and uh, my co-worker uh keegan uh who you mentioned uh, by the way that you went to like what was it elementary school with keegan's wife so keegan keegan's wife Kristen, and i were in elementary school wow that's yeah. crazy how uh, small together the world and it's is. 
and it's funny because she she does uh, kind of the same same. In, she's she's what? definitely in well, the spirits industry. She's she's we've, been on our, on our show. Yeah, yeah. we've had her on well, the there show you go. with D Betty, yeah. and we tasted plenty of uh, delicious flavored vodkas, mm-hmm. and it was a wonderful show. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's really cool. And so yesterday uh, we're we're friends on Facebook, and she uh, messaged me and said, "Hey, you know." You're going to be on the show. You're going to high yeah. five, and you know, I can't wait to hear what you yeah. say. Well, this is uh, this is uh, interesting because Keegan had texted me um, uh, during the show and said that he had a bottle of Harvey. And so, tell me about this. Where did this come from, and what's the story? So, if, yeah, so we're definitely shifting gears with Harvey from the single malt. Harvey is mm-hmm. a bourbon whiskey, mm-hmm. um, and it's a 13 barrel batch we released right after Harvey. And so by the way, your signatures on the bottle, because Keegan came in during the break. Offered us the bottle, but wanted you to sign it. So, right, right. Uh, so and there's still a couple of these out there um, at, at various spec stores. Like I said, I saw it just... I don't know I where think, exactly. I think last week I saw it at the Tomball one. Ian, could you maybe, like, seriously give me a chance to try this before you tell everybody where it is so they can oh. go grab it? <laughs> Noted. I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but... So, uh, it's, uh, it's a two-year-old bourbon, um, and... <laughs> I bottled it at 86 proof, um, 13, 13 30 gallon barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, you know, if we're comparing it to the single malt that's on the table, it's going to be considerably thinner. Right. Um, Which you know makes what? sense. I, you guys, you guys tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I give up. Let me let me hear about it. Uh, see, I'm loving it on the nose. I, you know, I noticed you have a very chocolatey theme through everything that comes out of your is that story. consistent in in all the stuff you do uh, it, that's definitely there um and and just about everything whiskey that's wise. a good thing now i really really like this you're definitely right that it's a thinner you know mouthfeel to it than what we were trying earlier and you can tell that the proof is not quite as high but boy the flavor is delicious yeah it this is interesting because this has almost no heat I agree. Like this, this would be a wonderful. Either uh, that, or I've been drinking a oh, lot. Well, right, right, it's possible, yes, <laughs> but, but this would be wonderful for people who are afraid of whiskeys, afraid of bourbons. Right. right? I wanted to make it more approachable, and that's yeah. why I dropped the proof on it for yeah. for people that have been wanting. And it's an intimidating thing, man. It's yeah, intimidating. sure. Uh, what did this sell for retail? Uh, it's in the seventies. Hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah, this is good. I like it a lot. This Mid, has mid-70s. this has a lot more um, aftertaste. Um, yes, well, what like it, a lot of that, a lot of that, um, even more than that last one that we tried. A lot of that uh, mineral water kind of aftertaste that I particularly enjoy, but it lingers a lot longer. Well, it doesn't have the heat, but the aftertaste that's there does stay with you for yes, longer. Yes. Definitely, yeah. Um, it's a nice warm aftertaste too. So we've tasted three. All very different uh, iterations from what you're doing, and uh, you know, these, I'd say all three of them in their in their own individual way are really outstanding. How I, I don't want to ask as dumb a question as how do you do it, but how do you do it? Like how do you how do you put these things? Because it can't be easy, or I'd be doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, it, it, it's there's got to be um, there's got to be something. Some trick that you have, some you know, some knowledge or understanding that you have that's leading you towards these being of the craft quality that they are. You know, I don't, I don't let anybody else influence me. 
we're we're small we're still small even though we're one of the older distilleries in the state we're certainly not one of the larger ones right. a lot of them that, mm-hmm. that started about the same time you know they've got distribution in a lot of a lot of different states but mm-hmm. at the same time i don't i don't hear you know here locally which is what i ultimately care about you know it's my home right uh, I, you know i don't i don't hear people raving about that stuff and and so i sit back and i say okay well what is it that they're doing well you know money change hands and all these people get right. involved you know i i very true truthfully from start to finish walk it through and if there's something in the process that i don't like i rip it out of there and you know if you're if you're making a whole bunch and trying to meet a certain demand and and you've got everybody and money influencing you i mean we're 100 percent family owned and operated mm-hmm. you know we don't know anybody any money but ourselves and that's you know um which is a wonderful thing actually so you know i i think it's where real artisanship yeah. And artistry can come into play because, you know, let's face it. Think of it. Think of it in in music business terms, right? If you are an artist that is completely independent, and you don't have any label looking over your shoulder telling you, you got to do this, you got to make it more this, more that, in order to get a hit single, whatever, you're going to make the music that is real to you, that that is legitimate yeah. and true to to wherever your musical brain and taste goes. Now, that doesn't mean it'll be good, but let's assume you're good at what you do, right? If you're good at what you do, no one is being allowed to dilute what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean that you couldn't sell more copies like some of the other uh, distilleries that you mentioned that have, you know, maybe a label's advice would help you sell more records. But there's something brilliant about discovering that artist as a music consumer, right? Something brilliant about discovering that artist who is not compromised, who really is a beautiful and wonderful artist and isn't, hasn't sold out, let's use that horribly overused term, <laughs> uh, hasn't sold out, like, and, and really being able to connect with what they're doing. And to me, that's what this reminds me of, is that it's a, it's a way that there's a certain purity to what you're doing that I think is, is remarkable. Well, and if and if this is to your liking from a palate standpoint, it's it's going to be you can hope that other people like right, it as well, right? And that's one of the things that I think we started this show to do. The number one reason we started the show absolutely we've, was we've always admitted was, it, was samples. samples. Yes, yeah. uh, but <laughs> but beyond that, part of what we wanted to do was communicate to people when we. When we found things that we thought were amazing, that that you know maybe they were big and hugely well known, maybe they weren't. I mean, we will be just as happy to tell you how much we love a Samuel Adams Boston Lager, which you can get in you know pretty much yeah. any store in uh, in the United States, as we are to tell you about something that you're going to have to like really work. Well, the hard bottom to find, line is, what's that know? old phrase? Drink like no one's watching. Right. I think that is a good. I think that if, did I did I get that right? If that's not an old phrase, I think you should trademark it, my friend, because I because th- I think you found one. Uh, wow. Well, I I have to say, um, um, this has been. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. This has been a different show than I was expecting, but I've really enjoyed it. Just being able to drill down a little bit on these things and being able to taste taste these these whiskeys and talk about. You know what we're what we're getting out of them, and and how and how wonderful it is. And each of these, to me, these are all whiskeys that should be in my bar. 
you know, all three of them, you know, Thank for you. for very Thank different you. reasons. And that's a, uh, you know, that's it's not that my bar is that important, but it is to me. And mm-hmm. and if it's if it's something that I'm saying these all need to be in there, then that's something I'm going to be working on and uh, and working to do. And that's about the highest recommendation that that I can give. I is appreciate saying, it. I is appreciate saying, that. Uh, and and you've talked about what all these are retail wise, and I think they're all totally on point from a uh, from a price standpoint too. Because there's sometimes we come on price versus we'll, quality makes right, it right. We'll try things and like that's fantastic, but I am not going to buy a three hundred dollar bottle of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. like <laughs> as wonderful as it is, and as thrilled as I am to taste it, and as much as I could recommend it, if that is in your price range. Um, it's not something that that I can do, but these are all a way to. You know, I, I think about having people over and pulling these out of the bar and pouring them and having people taste them, and how impressed people would be with these. And that's that's to me about as good of a recommendation as I as I can get. Absolutely, you know? yeah. So I want to thank awesome. you so much for uh, coming on the show. We would like to right now invite you back. Uh, you can bring more whiskeys. You can bring gin. Uh, you can bring. We any, have to do the gin now. Anything that you're working on, we would love to have you come. Yeah, on. anytime you have something yeah. new coming out or something going on, please let us. Yeah, know. we would love to have you come on. In fact, if you want to just come back next week for Ian's Crazy Beer Show and sample the beers, you'd be welcome to do that. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think. When is it next uh, week? Yeah. Show number one nineteen next week right here on uh, Smoking and Toasting. Yes, and and um, I promise you. Uh, no loggers will be harmed during the shooting of this episode. <laughs> it's always good to know. Uh, Ian, my friend, I just want to uh, wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. You have... Uh, uh, oh, your glass Hold on. is surprisingly empty. I think... Uh, I- I'm going to have to get more of this particular one. see that what I, you reached for, yes. Yeah, the one that you uh, Yes. That's uh, the one that I... Uh, uh, no, I just want to I really, say, really want to try this with a cigar, This has been This has been our second year. One. Of uh, of doing smoking and toasting, and it has by far been the most fun year that we've done. Congratulations! And, uh, and so we're we're uh, as we enter uh, Christmas time, and well. uh, and uh, we just want to say thank you to everybody Merry who's Christmas. been a part of it, and Merry Christmas! Merry Thanks Christmas. to Adam on the wheels of steel, and uh, have a wonderful week, my friends. Have a great Christmas, and uh, uh, we'll be back next week at this same time, same channel. For Ian's crazy beer show. Also coming up in the near future, pipe smoking 102. Oh, that's right, number 102. <laughs> we got to do that, man. I'm breaking out my pipe this week. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, very excited. Nobody smokes pipe anymore. Oh, you would be surprised. <laughs> Have a great week, kids. <laughs> Woo! You know what's funny though is I find that it's it's generally to me it's more of a winter thing than it is a. Yes, I agree.